Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads from the eye in the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go. Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast where, as promised, Griffin and I are going to continue our look back at how the Seattle Seahawks defeated the San Francisco 49ers in the 2013 NFC Championship game, which took them to Super Bowl 48. It's the second half of that that game, that tape. I'm going to explain the calls, uh, do probably a better job than we did last time around, but it's great to see how uh, people enjoyed that. Now, before that, though, we have current Seahawks news. Uh, we are doing that Pete Carroll tribute, but obviously Seattle's moved on from Pete Carroll. If we're, you're not living under a rock, you'll know that. So there's stuff to talk about there. Now, there's also, very quickly before that, Griff, two Seattle players have won, they've earned honours, postseason, you know, honours on, on 2023. Fifth overall pick, nickel cornerback slash outside cornerback, Devin Witherspoon, and then rookie safety, Jarek Reed II, were named to the all-rookie team. Witherspoon selected as a cornerback, and Jarek Reed II selected for his special teams play, which, Griff, was so impressive, the sixth-round pick, that I ended up highlighting him at the time before he hurt his uh, ACL, uh, tore his ACL, I think it was. He led the Seahawks in special teams tackles, and I believe at one point he may have led the league, or he was certainly close. Um, he had nine tackles on special teams overall. Um, it was third most on the team on the season, even though his his season was cut short after just 10 games. So, Monjombo yeah. asked before we came on air, I wonder if the PFWA recognized Jarek Reed's play on their own or if they got tipped off from Matty's video. I have a feeling they just look at tackle counts. Like, I, to be fair to them, I only was like, hang on a sec, what's Derek Reed doing here? Uh, because, yeah, he'd made a few splashy plays uh, watching on television, but I'm hardly crunching the uh, special teams all 22 each week. Uh, you know, I checked out his, statle, uh, his tackle stats and was like, okay. Hmm. Griff. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. You've you got to be excited about this. This yeah, is great. Good. Good it's almost him. like the Seahawks season wasn't a disappointment, Griff. Yeah, it's um, it's the one silver lining to everything. Um, Guys, the you know this is professional football writers of America, Griffin. Right, 
No, I agree. I'm right. I'm right there with you. This is huge. Um, mm-hmm. I think that it's it's cool because you know special teams is like the uh, the training ground for the depth players, and you know that's a lot of coaches have the philosophy of you start there and you you know that's how you get recognized and that's how you can earn snaps and stuff et cetera et cetera. That was obviously one of Pete's mantras. Too bad we we won't get to see what Jarek what Jarek reads. Um, career arc would have been with Pete, but uh, yeah, I mean, we liked his preseason tape, right? We thought he could be a high snap player at some point, so he might get a chance next year with some vacancies at safety um, or maybe a big nickel, you know, who, who knows, but I would like to see him on the field. And so de- definitely what he's doing in special teams is part of um, why, you know, we're, we're excited to see more of him in, in whatever capacity. So Yes, uh, I, I guess, um, and then and then Witherspoon's less of a surprise. Like he had to be on the all rookie team. Um, yeah. You know, when he finished with sixteen passes defense, which is fifth in the league, uh, eight tackles for loss, three sacks, and a pick six. Also, being NFC Defensive Player of the Week in Week Four and Defensive Rookie of the Month for October, those are uh, you know it's a pretty impressive resume, isn't it? Indeed. Now, we also didn't talk about, because it did happen, and I don't think we spoke about it, probably because there's the old adage that if you don't have anything nice to say, then possibly don't say it. But uh, to his credit, Bobby Wagner um, was named to the Associated Press so another big time organization, the Associated Press All Pro Second Team as a linebacker. So that's his ten tenth All Pro selection out of his twelve NFL seasons. Uh, he led the league in with one hundred eighty three total tackles, eleven tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, and three passes defensed. Good for him, eh, Griff? Yep, good for him. Good, good for the for Bobby. Hope he hope he gets paid uh, in in this cycle of free agency. He's been very successful as an agent. Um, there were six other Seahawks who received All Pro votes. This is fairly outdated news, but um, I think this came out almost twelve days ago now. But corner Devin Witherspoon, two second team votes. Safety Julian Love, four second team votes as a safety. Four votes as a special teamer. Punter Michael Dixon with five second-team votes. Kick returner DJ Dallas with four second-team votes. Special teamer Nick Ballor, two second-team votes. Long snapper Chris Stoll, one second-team vote. What I'd say about those votes generally is it speaks to, I think you tweeted something about how if you perform well against an East Coast team and it's in prime time, you're going to get recognition. That's kind of crazy. Um, Yeah, that could have something to do with it. Okay, now, as promised, the Seahawks coaching search is going on, but coaches who were with Seattle last year, they're they're going on, they're moving on. So, up first, we have offensive coordinator Shane Waldron has left. He is going to... The Chicago Bears, Tom Pelissero, um, 
one day ago, we're, we're recording this, I should say, on, on a Tuesday, uh, he reported the Bears are working towards a deal to hire Shane Waldron as their new offensive coordinator. Per sources, Waldron, 44 years old, spent the past three seasons as Seattle's offensive coordinator. Now he's expected to land in Chicago, which owns the number one pick with a big question looming at quarterback. That is an interesting last sentence because I know uh, from what I heard, what Bears people were saying, uh, Justin Fields' play was fairly solid, as the, you know, it improved as the year progressed. You know, would you hire Waldron to work with a new dude, or, or you know, are you saying Fields is the guy still? Very interesting stuff. Do you right. have any thoughts on this, Griff? I don't know. Uh, good, good for him. I think it was telling that he got picked up like right away. Uh, there were quite a few offensive coordinator vacancies, so he was probably valued pretty highly. Um, I mean, he did good work in Seattle, so. Um, and so whether it's fields or a draft pick, I mean, I'm sure Waldron wanted that job too, right? So, yeah. um, and cool that he's trying to get his former assistants, you know, jobs too. Um, clearly valued working with them, right? Yeah. So. There's that crazy stat that the, every single NFL team has had to change their offensive coordinator since 2022. Yeah, that's insane. Like that is absolutely insane. The turnover. Turnover, I mean, that comes from, you know, I guess guys getting hired away, getting fired. And then, you know, entire, like the head coaching, the head coach getting fired and then everyone's kind of out of a job naturally. Right, right, um, right. But there, there's been some absolutely crazy, like, oh, the OC sucks stuff going on recently. And now that's certainly true for some teams, but like why on earth was Ken Dorsey fired in Buffalo? Like the offense was was worse under Joe Brady, slightly. Um, because they, were they the weren't. I because I feel they felt they lacked the run game balance. Is that what it was? Yeah. Interesting. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Obviously, like Waldron wasn't. I mean, he was fired in in a sense, right? But he wasn't like the O's get the OC out of here. Like that's not really what happened. It's just kind of what happens when you fire the head coach, you know. Um, and I feel they've. I think they felt they lacked the, uh, like the complementary football element. But yeah. But but that's not. Maybe Pete felt that way. No, sorry, I was talking about Dorsey there. Oh oh oh, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe. A lot of the Waldron issues really come back to the offensive line being bad. I, I don't know how much you can. Yeah. You know. Well, you, you do it, that. It, well, always warrant the question like what does this season look like if cross and lucas stay on the field that's not a yeah. lot to ask yeah but even then like right guard was always going to be a challenge and it would be a challenge but it and could they be... seem to get they seem to get worse get... at like things they shouldn't have got worse at like when when the tackles came back you know although Lu lucas back seemed to give him a, a much higher ceiling as it would and then the fact he went back out again it, it, that did not help did it no, I mean that the Steelers' protection was rough, right. but then like Gino and the receivers performed in spite of it anyway. I mean that game was kind of like the Lions game, right, and the Panthers yeah. game. Yeah, and we'll, they were just able to put it together. Yeah, and we'll have the chance to. Obviously, Seattle has a somewhat of a decision potentially looming around quarterback Gino Smith, and uh, listeners of the show will know how, uh, you know, we. 
we think that's not really a decision. Like, Geno Smith should be the quarterback of the Seahawks uh, next year and probably moving forward from that as well. But um, I, I, the reason I say all that is we'll, we'll have a chance to look at the, the rest of the offense through that guys because we'll probably have to do a podcast on, on Geno Smith and how last year went and what he can be still. But in terms of Waldron, this is the last we're going to probably kind of really have the chance to talk about him. Uh, I've seen you have an interesting take on him versus um, Bobby Slovic, uh, who's obviously, uh, well, potentially a head coach candidate for Seattle, a guy people like the look of, what he did with Houston this year, rookie quarterback CJ Stroud, his first year calling the plays in Houston, uh, bringing those kind of Shanahan elements in there. Uh, but you have a feeling that Waldron is... Well, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Griff. Well, I mean, I, I, if if I was given the, the choice between the two, based off of what Waldron's done in Seattle and what Slovak's done with only one year with Houston, I would err on the side of Waldron, um, at least for, for Seattle's purposes. But so like the logic behind bringing in one of the offensive minds really is that none of them with maybe the exception of maybe the exception of Ben Johnson like I don't think any of them are an upgrade, a clear upgrade on Waldron as a play caller or or you know off offense in general. So the theory behind getting one of them in there is like trying to get back to neutral with your with your your offensive scheme. Um, and then also there's more stuff to it, like you know if if you make the play caller at the head coach, you don't have to worry about losing him, right? So for long term sustainability, I get all that. I get all that, but I, I don't see anything that Slovic does. And it just blows me away relative to what Seattle already had. So, and especially Slovic in particular, like even if you were to say Waldron and Slovic are equals, I would still prefer Waldron for the stylistic reasons because what Slovic does really well, Seattle's already the league at, like the under center play action, you know, even if you were to translate the same concepts to shotgun, like Seattle can't get better at that like realistically. So his edge that he brings, Seattle's already like as sharp on that edge as you can be. When you get into the pure dropback stuff, Waldron's stuff is better. It just is. Um, and granted, CJ Stroud is a rookie. He had a good rookie year, but um, his third downs down the stretch tanked. Like the, the Seahawks over the second half of the season were like eighth with Geno. And then they were like, the Texans were like 24th with Stroud. Um, and then if you look at pure dropbacks and non-play action dropbacks on early downs, um, the Seahawks are like fifth for the whole season, even the first half of the year. And the Texans are like middle of the pack. Again, you know, you can cite it's CJ Stroud's a rookie, but like the Texans have, even though their O-line's been injured, they have a way better O-line than the Seahawks do. And that's when pure dropback situations is when the O-line is really called on. You can't hide the O-line as much. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's it's just like what what Slovic does. Seattle already does well, so he's not going to make you better in those areas. And then I think you only risk getting worse in the areas around him. Now that that doesn't mean that he would actually make you worse. He just might get again get you back to neutral. Like, but but yeah. there's just not, there's nothing superficially that makes you think, oh, he's going to deliver them into another realm of offense that we haven't seen to me, if you bring him in, the only thing that will get the offense from like the eighth to ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th range up to approach top five is the O-line getting healthy. Yeah. There's a lot of variables here. Uh, and obviously the, the offensive line is, is a real 
and the difference between that in Houston and Seattle is a, a big one. And then uh, Geno Smith's experience and, and veteran uh, savvy and ability to read the game compared to the rookie of uh, CJ Stroud, as impressive as Stroud has been. Uh, those are the two like big kind of differences. But yeah, no, no Waldron in Seattle next year. Uh, so whoever is the play caller, whether it is an offensive head coach they hire um, or, or whatnot, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if they are able to improve and and how that offensive line gets on as well and how John Schneider does in, in building that up. Now, with Waldron going to the Bears, Jonathan Jones of the lead NFL inside of NFL on CBS uh, reports that he's set up interviews with Seahawks coaches Chad Morton, the running backs coach, who's also the run game coordinator the last two years, uh, Sanjay Lal, and uh, who's the wide receivers coach this year, and also um, he had a year hiatus, but had two stints in Seattle, and also uh, quarterbacks coach Kerry Joseph. Um, Jeremy Fowler today reported that Lau indeed did the interview of the Bears for the offensive staff position. So there you go, Griff. What any, and then. Also attracting attention is former Seahawks offensive line coach Andy Dickerson. He interviewed uh, today with the Cincinnati Bengals for their offensive coordinator job after Brian Callahan left to go and be Tennessee Titans head coach. Dickerson, I think, also got interest from the Cleveland Browns. Obviously, both those offensive coordinator spots are places where the head coach is an offensive mind in um, Zach Taylor in Kevin Stefanski. But it's kind of a step up for Dickerson in that, you know, he would, you know, be one rung up from where he's been. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have that many thoughts on it uh, other than, you know, the Seattle's offensive line. Yeah, they had injuries. Yeah, they, they probably did well to start with, given the injuries, uh, all things considered. Uh, I think Waldron did pretty good, didn't he, scheming around that as well. But then... As the year developed, Seattle seemed to get worse at things that they shouldn't have, have got worse at. Uh, the, you know, just the way they handled stunts was just so like poor, and uh, the way they were not being square and turning and, and yeah. stuff like that was just weird. Um, and so, I would have a question mark next to Dixon's name. We did wonder if, you know, if this was a world where Pete Carroll was, was the Seahawks head coach. We wondered if. Um, Maybe Waldron would be retained, but Dickerson fired. And, you know, could that even happen with the two of them coming together? It's like almost a package deal. Uh, it be interesting to see if he does take an OC job uh, and, you know, kind of a promotion, or if he does end up going to the Bears, their offensive line coach with uh, his old pal, Shane Waldron. Obviously, they're, I think they went to the same college or, or was it high school, but they, they go way back. So. Yeah, they do go way back. Uh, yeah, good for Andy. Um, hope, hope he gets to do something with, with this opportunity. Um, I wonder if he would have gotten that interview had, had the Seahawks staff not been blown up. Um, so in, in a way, like this kind of worked out for him if he gets the job, right? Because it's a promotion. So um, right. I don't know. But and it's kind of a comfy job because he doesn't have to call plays. And there will, there will probably be job security there for a while because he doesn't have to call plays. You know, mm. but okay. So the Seahawks are losing all these coaches. So who are they going to get? Well, I don't know if you can say it's clearer, 
but there's the same names recurring. So there you go. Tom Pelissero uh, reported January 21st. When is that? That's Sunday. He reported on Sunday that the Seahawks were setting up a second interview of head coaching candidates, including Panthers defensive coordinator Ajira Evero, Raiders DC Patrick Graham, Giants offensive coordinator Mike Kafka, Rams DC Raheem Morris, and Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. Per sources, there likely will be others too. Then Pelissero, uh, the following day on the Monday, reported that the Commanders planning to bring in Dan Quinn for a second interview per source. So, Griff, kind of the expected names, right? Yeah, expected expected names. Um, it's interesting that Ben Johnson didn't get a second interview, but then he said he throws in that last comment at the end about there will likely be others too. So what does that really mean? Um, it means he's covering, you know, he, he's, he's got some names, but he, does, he wants to cover the fact that he doesn't have yeah. all the names necessarily. Right. So I don't know how to read into it of the names that are listed and those that aren't, right? Um, maybe maybe they intended to have two interviews with everybody and they're just trying to complete the, this uh, these second interviews to clear their schedule for getting in the second interview with Johnson. Um, they did interview with Slovic, right? Did they do that once? One I think they did. Under, under the assumption that they did, Maybe they, they intend to get a second one with him. And then they haven't been able to interview McDonald at all. So, and, and this process might go on for a while. Um, it might go on longer than, than, than most weeks. So, um, who knows? I mean, they're. Yeah, they put in a request to interview Texans offensive coordinator for the head coaching job. Okay. Uh, that was reported by uh, Pelissero on uh, Tuesday, January 16th. Yeah. So I, I don't know if I, I suspect that there will be another batch of names that will come out. Yeah. Uh, so the, interviewed with the Seahawks, but yeah. it is interesting that the only offensive coach listed is Kafka. Yeah. Well, I, I yeah, it is, but I, I, I don't know how much to read into that Griff. Cause um, sorry to cut you off, but no, th- cool. I think they're waiting to do these in-person interviews so like starting monday as a brady henson of vspn reported um the seahawks can hold in in person um with candidates from teams who whose seasons are over um mm-hmm. or they can do the virtual ones but i think they've done virtual ones with this first batch of names of guys who are already kind of out the playoffs yeah um and now the next wave will come and then think about the next wave that'll be slovic uh that'll be canales if, if they're interested in that um yeah. So I think maybe there'll be a sprinkling of more offensive names after. I mean, Canales would be cool. Sorry, what was that? I said Canales would yeah. be cool. But so so Canales is already on his second interview with the Panthers, and supposedly someone someone tweeted that reported that they went really well to, you know, who knows if that's just an agent if that's from the team side. Um, I have heard rumblings that the Panthers specifically want to go offense. Yeah. So that probably puts them out of the running for McDonald. Okay. And if we look at if we look at the landscape of names, it sounds like Bill's going to be the Falcons coach. Um, Jim Bill Harbaugh's Belichick. Bill Belichick. Jim Harbaugh sounds like he's going to be the Chargers coach. Yep. And then people have said from the onset that the Commanders are likely going to be Ben Johnson's first target, and vice versa, because you can draft top three. Right. There too, right. The Commanders, who, as we've just seen, have got a second interview of Dan Quinn, which is 
a really interesting one because, guys, is there an argument that the Washington Commanders is a more attractive job for, for Dan Quinn than the Seattle Seahawks? Obviously, you have the history of Dan Quinn being uh, in uh, Seattle before, uh, knowing John Schneider, uh, but also from his perspective, would he want to go uber, you know, kind of ambitious where I, I don't know what the kind of general manager position is there. If, if they'd want to turn it over again, probably not. Uh, but the the commanders have a, you know, real good draft assets. Um it would be kind of a, more of an opportunity, I would say, for him to to shape in his image. I don't know, but it will say a lot. Uh, it would say a lot about how Seattle is viewed by someone who knows him very well. You'd think if he were to pick and he was to be given the opportunity to pick the Commanders over the Seahawks. But as Griff said, it right. sounds like they're leaning uh, offense. Um, right. First. So and so with the Titans going to uh, Brian Callahan, which yep. was a surprise to me. That only leaves like that leaves the the Seahawks and the Panthers as the only two vacancies, really, right? So that means the Seahawks, like with them taking their time with the names that have been listed and the names that haven't been listed, maybe Schneider and Vulcan is kind of reading the tea leaves and they're like, you know, well, we have our pick of McDonald, Quinn, maybe Slovic. Um, I mean, Slovic probably will be without a job this draft cycle or this hiring cycle, I think. I think he'll have to come, go back as an OC. But it will be between him, um, Kafka, Quinn, McDonald, Evero, um, and then uh, who's in uh, uh, Frank Smith, right? I don't mm-hmm. think Morris and Graham are going to get the, going to really be considered. I think it's going to be down to Evero, Quinn, McDonald. And then Kafka. And I really think that's I honestly my hunch is that Kafka is going to be the lone offensive name in consideration. And so if it's offense or defense, offense will be Kafka. If it's defense, it's gonna be one, one of those three names, I think. I don't know. What what do, what do you think? What what's your vibe? What's your take on all of it? I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> um and I honestly think, you know, Little nuggets come out from different reporters and they're doing a great job of, of like, you know, get, getting the scoop, getting the details and all that sort of stuff. But Schneider basically said, you know, they're going to leave no stone unturned. It wouldn't shock me if they'll take an in-person interview with every single candidate who's interested, who they don't think is a complete, you know, crap candidate. Right. Like, and, and what's the harm in doing that, right? Because uh, you just yeah, get insight. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't know how it works. Like, I don't know how it works necessarily. Like if you come across like you're wasting time, but I, I'd imagine not. Like I think guys appreciate probably the opportunity to have an in-person interview. I mean, it's good prep for them down the line, even if they don't get the job. But I also think that there's uh, more of a willingness and appetite for these interviews to take longer than say in like, you know, we've heard how that in recent years, the head coaching hiring has taken a bit longer and that, that there's been less of an urgency and a rush to do it. Um, so when Brady Henderson of ESPN says, I have not seen a report stating the Seahawks have interviewed Mike McDonald. So unless that happened and wasn't reported, they'd have to wait until after the Ravens season's over to interview him if they're even interested in doing so. Um, well, one, maybe they have reported of him, but then two, they might be really slow playing this. Um now right 
I know it's been theorised. I know people are really big fans of McDonald. Maybe he doesn't have that experience Schneider was talking about. He, he mentioned experience is a big kind of thing they're looking for uh, in his uh, press conference that he did uh, prior to these interviews. But I don't think you can... I don't know if Seattle was technically allowed to interview, to conduct their first interview of him because he's in the conference championship. So... It, or if he w- was in the conference championship, so... And then they wouldn't be able to in-person with him if they reached the Super Bowl until after the Super Bowl. So, like, the timeline does get a bit shrunk. But I, I, I would be surprised if they haven't somehow found a way to interview with him. Right. But anyway, uh, we, we liked the idea of McDonald because it's a really ambitious kind of move, right? And it's swinging for the fences. Um, right. And it obviously, it's not just that. It's 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 uh, exciting because of how well his defense is played. But I, I don't know how much to read into this. You know. Totally. Um, and I mean, he also fits, or the rather the the personnel, the Seahawks personnel fits him pretty well too. You know. Um, I mean, really, the Seahawks personnel kind of fits any scheme at the moment. But anyway. Right. There you go. Anyway, we'll 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 find out. You do you want to? What does your gut tell you happens? Regardless, of what you want to have happen. Well, my gut tells my gut tells me Dan Quinn. Yeah, same. Quinn or Kafka. Uh, and my cool. gut told me Dan Quinn from very early. Yeah. Uh, just because it's a, it's not a complete shock to the defense. Uh, I think he could be do things with the defensive personnel, although it'd be nice if he could bring Micah Parsons along with him. Um, I think culturally, it's definitely not a shock. Like He, he really has implemented elements of the, the Carroll system. Um, he's a popular coordinator. Now, where it gets interesting, if it is Dan Quinn Griff, is OC. <laughs> right. And this tweet went big today uh, from Shane Hoffman, who... Uh, I oh, personally haven't heard of Shane Hoffman, um, and I'm sure he hasn't heard of me. So it's there's hardly uh you know I'm hardly a, a big time dude either. Um, but uh, a freelancer uh, with Oregon links, uh, I believe they they wrote about the Oregon Ducks, saying, <laughs> hearing that not only is an NFL return likely for former Oregon coach Chip Kelly but that it could take the form of a package deal with Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. The Seahawks are a likely destination. So Shane shot his shot. Griff, uh, pinch of salt with this one, right? But um, uh, I, I don't think I would like that. I don't think I'd like Chip Kelly to see. Well, there's been like, like murmurings around his uh, future at UCLA for a while. I don't know if yeah. he's like kind of sick of how college is. But... Um, yeah. Yeah, um, that would be something. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if if they hire a defensive-minded coach who, who is calling plays, that would be that would be the most interesting. Well, that would be the second most interesting thing to consider, right? Um, but it's, I mean, Kafka. If 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 Kafka doesn't get the Seahawks head coaching job. He's not getting a head coaching job anywhere. And I still think he wants to 
get a play calling gig somewhere. So he could still very much be in the running for OC. I mean, if he's in the running for head coach, obviously Schneider would be like, talk to whoever he does hire, be like, what do you think about Kafka? And I don't think Quinn would care, you know. Um, but there are other names out there that are quality offensive coordinator candidates too. So Ken Dorsey, um, Frank Reich, Pep Hamilton. Um, I'm blanking. Oh, Kellen Moore would probably be an obvious choice. I think it would be Moore and Kafka would be the top two choices with Dorsey, maybe a close third. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Um, anyway, anyway, we'll just have to keep waiting, right? I want the picture to define itself more, but I don't think it is. No, and so timeline-wise, it does get a bit interesting because the Senior Bowl, the Reese's Senior Bowl, which Seattle in the past, and I believe this is more of a Schneider thing than a, a Pete Carroll thing, like he is after all and has been the general manager, but the Reese's Senior Bowl starts the week before... Uh... Wait, hang on, when does it start? Let me let me get the exact date. Um Yes, it's around, it's like early February. Um, so the, it's during the, or used to be during the championship games. So it's like, not, not, it's next week. No, it's two weeks, which is crazy. So, no, it's, it's, it is technically next week. So, um, with the practices. So the fact that they won't have a head coach for that isn't ideal, but then as John Schneider uh, revealed, he is now in full control uh, of personnel decisions. The buck right. stops with him legally in his contract. The language reflects that. So I don't know if it's that big a deal, although it would be nice if you knew what scheme you were, you know, scouting for. I. I guess yep. it just gives the scouts more work. And I guess player eval is player eval. You then tier them based, you know, you, you, you then, you know, exclude them off your board based on character first and foremost or, or bump them up on character. And then you kind of stack them based on scheme fit. Like it's very rare that a player can't fit in a scheme um, right. at all. Like you can find yeah. a way to use them. It, it just might bump them up a, a few spots or down a few spots. Um, right. Yeah. And you, I, you know, I really wonder, I, I really wonder if Schneider is also interviewing so many of the defensive names for head coach and, and they're doubling as a interview for defensive coordinator. Right. Um, if they end up going offense. Um, would you, would you like, I, I, I don't want to be mean because I think Mike Kafka's done, uh, particularly, uh, Last year, he did some really impressive things with Daniel Jones. Right. Uh, and how I mean, they used Saquon Barkley. is like more impressive than, it's as impressive what Ben Johnson's doing right, right. now. Right. And, and it's weird, like, you know, you don't know how much that's Brian Dable. And, you know, this year, how Dable was like wrestling away play calling from Kafka. Right. It's kind of odds. But I, I would be shocked if, uh, you know, and I, I We've heard for a while how Mike Kafka from like the coaching community, how Mike Kafka is a really good coach, but it is kind of odd to me that he's head coaching material, especially of how this past season went. So then what, 
what is Schneider really doing there? Um, well, I mean, Schneider has the relationship uh, of with course. Holmgren and Reed, right? Of course. So he, he values that that coaching tree, and and Reed put Reed, like Reed went above and beyond, like imploring the Cardinals to hire him, and they didn't end up hiring him. They ended up hiring uh, Gannon, I think, um, which was an interesting choice. But the Eagles were a good defense, so. Um, I mean, Kafka's probably on the short list for quite a few names, and maybe that's just Schneider wanting to look at more than one tree, you know? Um, right. And it's like, because there, there is, there's the the Reed tree of the West Coast offense, you know, going back to, and then there, there's a Shanahan tree and the kind of the Gruden tree, right? Um, and right now it's like, uh, maybe he's like, well, maybe the Reed tree, maybe the next Reed guy is is the big name, right? Um so you're taking a leap of faith with all of the offensive names. Clearly, he doesn't want to go. I mean, there, ha there haven't been any er interviews with Canales yet for a reason, probably. Maybe that's mutual. Who knows? But, um, you know, it's Shanahan or Reed at this point. And yeah, so, and I don't know. There, there, might be something, well, there might be something to Kafka. And Canales had a second interview, I think, with the Panthers. Uh, or was um, G1. Um, yeah. And he, like put that on his instagram that he was interviewing there so i think he you know he's wanting to get his name out there a bit um and so you'd think he'd have done that with seattle if he he had but uh yeah we're still in this kind of holding pattern aren't we but right. i you know i have my opinion hasn't really changed i think dan quinn's the most likely uh, i think that's what we mm -hmm. said at the time as well so right. and, and just seems obvious but uh what's funny is since that point um he got absolutely gashed his defense did um and the the whole national talk shows and stuff were like oh my gosh Dan Quinn's a fraud and, and all that stuff well it's um, it's 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 so funny because well go ahead f finish your thought I didn't mean to cut you off well like it it you'll you'll be saying similar things to me and I don't want to uh, steal your thunder but you know they they how have they been good is they've been able to play man coverage um uh, and and sprinkle in kind of change up calls um and get away with real kind of subpar rostering of their linebacker position after Jalen Smith uh, Leighton Van Der Esch and essentially play you know almost safety body types more and done really impressive things with that and then you just saw that come to a head against the team who had the perfect game plan to to stop that but you also got You've been getting away with your corner stuff, especially if Trayvon digs out for the year. And then it just got toasted in ways where, you know, watching that Green Bay game plan, they're just like, just doing like cheesy. It's like on Madden, if you know they're in man and you, you basically find a way to block a play up where you get max protection, you run back as far as possible. And then you, you run like the cheesy beta route where it's just a fake ass, like, they're running like 15 yard out route uh, off like yeah. Max Pro, uh, and and it's not even just the vanilla out route. Like it fakes as though it's bending across the field and then comes back across. And and they were they were complete. You know that's how they hit it on on Gilmore. Gilmore regressed in that game. So like, you know, guys are going to get beat occasionally. I, I understand the concerns where it's not how Mike McDonald's been able to just destroy that kind of tree, the tree that Seattle's had so many problems with over the years, the tree that has, um, you know, in their division is, is so prominent. But yeah, Griff, well, uh, you, the, you're probably going to say similar. Yeah, the, the funny thing about that is, yeah, you have a horrible game against Matt LaFleur. 
people connect Lafleur to the Shanahan McVeigh tree, and they go, "Oh, great! Well, Dan Quinn's terrible against that tree." So he got destroyed by the Fleur. But if you want to talk about his performances against those actual coaches themselves, Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay, ever since they got head coaching jobs as head coach of the Falcons or DC of the Cowboys, Dan Quinn's a combined six and four against the division. Like, just like <laughs> relax. Like he's not, he doesn't have a fundamental flaw against them. Those are really good offenses and they're going to light up just about any defense from time to time. But all in all, like he's won more games than he's lost. And even in two of the games that he's lost to the 49ers, like he bottled up Kyle Shanahan in two of those losses. Um, when they lost in the playoffs last year, they held them to like 20 points. Um, and then the previous year in the playoffs in the wild card game, they also lost because their offense didn't do anything. But like they held them to like, I don't know, we can look it up. Like uh, it was it was under it was under 20 again. So he's defended Kyle Shanahan well. He's defended Sean McVay quite well before. In the Super Bowl year, um, they played them. I think the the Rams had the 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 Rams Super Bowl. The Rams had one of their worst games of their season against the Cowboys. And then I think even um, last year before Stafford got hurt, he had one of his worst seasons again. So this idea that he can't defend them is just wrong. He's two and three against Shanahan, and four and one against McVay. Like. Or, or something like that. Mm. Um, and yeah, pa so. Parsons is a great player and their, their front is built real nasty, but uh, is in their, their D line, you know, kind of, kind of players, but the, the, the linebacker position um, and then the, the secondary, they were getting away with it for a while. Yeah. It's a, the Cowboys defense was kind of a house of cards roster. And yeah, that's when, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And, and, and Quinn, Quinn like used them to the greatest extent, I think. 2022 is the real year to watch what he would do with close to like not ideal personnel, but like personnel where you're checking off enough boxes to run the defense you really want to run. Um, and that was where Quinn was able to match up with personnel more. You know, he could coach the, the fundamentals of his, the, you know, the, the his zone drops and stuff. And that, that's like is what I think makes a defense sustainable is how good is your organization with the underneath in your zone, whether it's two high zone or one high zone, you know, cover three or cover six quarters. Um, and then he also was, you know, he was able to disguise stuff. He, he, you know, he even got a little jiggy with it, like showing cover one and then falling back into zone, you know, um, and showing like showing cover three robber and then playing co cover one, you know. Um, so, I mean, he, he, when he has linebackers, when he has a functional second level, he'll, he can uses that as a schematic pivot point. Um, so, I mean, he's not, and also like we're talking the Carroll tree right now and that kind of is loose terms and all these trees, you know, kind of take on their own life, right. Different branches, but like looking around the league, the Carroll tree is the Dallas Cowboys. It's the solid jets. It's the, the 49ers still. And it's the D'Amico Ryan's Texans. Like they're working out of the same playbook. Yeah, they, they've added some stuff, but most of it is just living in different areas of the playbook. But the Seahawks have done that too. The Seahawks just haven't had the talent of those units. So like, it's not as though the Carroll like Kiffin foundation doesn't work in the modern NFL. Any good defense needs great talent. Like the, that's that goes for the Fangio group. That goes for Mike McDonald. That goes for Rex Ryan and Greg Williams and Jim Schwartz, like all of these trees that are around the league, they all need talent. But like once you accept that premise that, yeah, they all need talent, the Carroll tree works in the NFL still like it's working right now. 
Um, I think that all these guys have learned the lesson that, yes, it's so much easier when you've got Quinn and Williams up front or, you know, Nick Bosa, what have you, right? Micah Parsons. Yeah, go find that guy. Go find your Michael Bennett, Dan Quinn in Seattle if, if you come to Seattle. But the, the, the point is, is that, like, it's not like the defense is behind the times. If anything, it has lots of answers for what Shanahan and McVeigh are doing. Um, What's interesting know. to me is um, that, yeah, the McDonald thing's so tantalizing because of how there's that lack of the obvious blue chip front player. But I know, um, is it Madabrique is playing really good football? I mean, he, he's he's simply just way better than anyone then, thought he was. Like, I mean, he is a yeah. top 15, top 10 defensive tackle. Right, yeah. so they're kind of getting there, but yeah. Um, I mean, he's having a legitimately great year, you know, so. You know, it'd be so interesting to see him stay there and see what they can do the next year. McDonald? Yeah, because... And I think he like, might. Because think... part of this, he might definitely, Um, but like part, and like how long does Harbaugh have left? Like if they win a Super Bowl this year, like what happens there? Like, you know... Um, but yeah, what, you know, that the ideas that they're, the way that they kind of layer their calls in and everything, uh, it's not new, but it's, it's like the, the, the new wave, like the fresh thing, uh, as we've seen with the Fangio stuff, like when, when guys cotton on to that, um, you know, the beat has become more pre- prevalent as happened with Seattle stuff. Um, and how they respond from that will be really interesting. Uh, you know, a second year would be very interesting for me. Indeed. Agreed. Right. Now, you spoke about the Pete Carroll tree. Well, uh, earlier today, Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk, presumably Mike Florio, I think he operates this account, uh, but he he tweeted, in relation to the Los Angeles Chargers job, uh, we heard earlier today that Pete Carroll is making a push for the job. Mike Vrabel is also in the mix. So, Griff, is this, uh, I mean, how much do you uh, read into this? Is this Harbaugh trying to seal the deal, uh, like show that he's got, um, he's beat Pete Carroll to the job? Um, is it Pete Carroll trying to beat, uh, trying to get his name in there and beat Harbaugh to the job? Or is this just, uh, I mean, it seems very late for Carroll to suddenly be like, oh, yes, I want that job. I'm curious how Profo- how Florio got a hold of that and nobody else. I feel like Rich Eisen would have gotten a hold of that. Yeah. I feel like if Pete was pushing for for a job, he he would want the media to to catch wind of that and I mean, like get his he, name out in the, into the headlines and everything. So I don't know. He I would did love say to that he's uh, did say that he's at the end of his press conference that he's he's jacked and he's pumped and he's <laughs> all those things. Yeah. But he'll he will always be jacked up. I do believe he wants to coach. I just don't know if it's this year. I don't know if uh, I don't know. Monjombo I mean, asks, "Will you guys rebrand the Charters Overload podcast if Pete pursues gets the head coach job?" Um, Monjombo also saying it would also be good thematically uh, overload electricity by charging too long. Yes, very good. Yeah, um, we also yeah. had another question about that. I mean, uh, it's kind yeah. of like we said in that uh, it got increasingly sad with the live stream we did after Pete Carroll uh, <laughs> was uh, fired and that was announced. But uh, yeah, we 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 definitely would, right? I would. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'd have we'd have like one show a week where we do. Yeah, we, we do one show in just the defense, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, because you could do how the offense is pass heavy. <laughs> yeah, we we could have a little like just just like just run minutes. over expected rates. Yeah, we just have five minutes. Like Pete Carroll actually is a pass first coach, despite what yeah. you think. In this um, week, yeah, yeah, in this in this week in Pete but, Carroll, uh, well, that well, seems... what if we what, what if we garnered like a Chargers audience? Yeah, we'd be very confused. Yeah, uh, and we completely forgot to really talk about Vrabel. Like he's still a name floating around, but he seems like the the backup to, to yeah he's not, he's, he's not gonna be i don't see him getting a job this cycle as crazy as that sounds yeah he, he almost needs like a kind of like a dan campbell he needs like a spot where they just need a cultural like yeah like they're a hot they're in a hole they they need a dude to come in and just build them like they're in a mess i mean yeah. how many jobs are like complete like messes right now well, well, well. Think about think about the Broncos though. Where, where Dan Campbell came from, the Saints, right? With, with Sean Payton, and yep. Sean Payton kind of like he. Sean even said like he let Dan run team meetings. He kind of was like literally like a second head coach, right? In terms of like organizing and running the show and motivating and everything. Mm-hmm. He and then Payton was really just like the OC, right? Yeah. I wonder if he'd be like, hey, Vrabel, come in and play some sort of role like that, so I can just focus on game planning and shit i don't know i could see him going to uh denver plus those are two personalities with russell wilson oh russell will be there russell (laughs) okay but 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 i could see sean and variable getting along well and for like all the wrong reasons but right i don't know all right wow okay so, so let, let's do like a square hour on this i don't know if we'll get through the whole whole second half. oh no we have to all right, let's let's let's. We do have it. to. There's no option. We promised people. All What's right. What's going on with this though? Why is it so? Why is it so messed up? Let me. Okay, so the second half of Seahawks 49ers. What is this? Let me just go full screen, man. There we go. Um, now, in terms of this, would this be better? Probably but then potentially not. Anyway, we'll, we'll see. So, how did I get there? Was it this? No. I've done that thing that's again. Fine. That's fine. That's fine. Right. So, the first half, if you remember, we, there was a lot of heavy stuff. Uh, there was the 49ers offensive line like messing up blocks like really badly. Like Their execution was bad like in the run game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just a quick uh, statistical recap, Griff. Uh, in the first half, the Seahawks allowed three completions for 17 yards, um, and then they bottled up Frank Gore, seven carries for 12 yards, a 1.7 yards per carry average, and then Anthony Dixon, the 49ers fullback, had two carries for one yard, 0.5 yards per carry. But Colin Kaepernick, after... Um, seven carries for not very much he ended up with a 58 yard scramble play which was the only big play seattle allowed so it, it was kind of a big play uh the offense did nothing really in this first half for seattle and so they're down 10 to 3 but the defense was absolutely kicking butt just basically a broken play when they had good coverage on it 
All right. So offset eyes slot motion to the backfield. So that's like they're playing. That's really wacky. I, I, do they? I think. I think me. Okay. There we go. He lines up on the wrong side. Yeah. So it's okay. Like, so let's let's go through it again, chat. So corner. Sam. Big end. Nose. Three. Leo, which is Clemens, I believe. Um, strong safety. Mike. Will. Corner. Mr. Earl Thomas. So, this is looking like an over front, right, Griff? But... Um, right. It's essentially the thing we've been seeing all the time, guys, where typically Cam would be the force, but because it's a nub set, um, so there's no receiver out here, you can bring the corner involved, um, and, and then you can get this guy off ball. Uh, this is another, like, completely... I, I, I cheated and watched this play just before we came on, Griff. Forgive yeah. me. Um, but I don't Wait. know what they're doing. Real quick for the audience, though. So when we look at the front structure, you'll notice that the nose, Brandon Meebane, is a cocked one technique. And the big mm -hmm. end are always on the same side with each other. Yeah. So, the, so they're on the same side of the center. And then the three tech and the Leo would be on the same side. And we said how last time how the Leo travels with the three techniques. So but think like three tech side and nose side, um, nose, big end side, three tech, Leo side. Um so they're, they're like the the three tech and the nose would never be on the same side in their base stuff, right? That would be like an overload front pass rush situation. So there's the the Meebane Red Bryan side and the McDaniel mm. Clemens Bennett side. I think that's Bennett right now at Leo. But um, yeah, yeah, um, and and big big uh, big thinking as well is a lot of the time the down safety will go to where the three technique is. Now, there's a lot of reasons for that. But in super basic terms, it's to give this guy an easier fit to match his coverage responsibility. Yeah. Also, also we can kind of... Because sometimes people equate the will with an outside linebacker. Or, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. This is the will. You'll, you'll notice the will is as inside as you can be. He's literally in the A-gap. So... yeah. Um, both the Mike and Will are inside linebackers. Yeah, because a lot of the times, yeah, I mean, this is an over front, right? But a lot of the time, it's more like a 6-2 with these two off ball inside. Or it's like a 5-3, five, 5-2 five, where, again, these two are the two, like, inside guys. Yeah. So, yeah, the the, the Mike um, often more outside. Um, So I don't know what they're doing. I don't know why they get so confused. I think the way that this shifts breaks them and then how heavy this three plays, but they just completely... Right. So, I, well, well, wait a second. Is it like... But we've it's... seen this before where the guard climbs up thinking that that's going to happen, I think. Well, it, all right. So is it stretch? Is it lead zone? They, put, they, they pin and fold over here. Okay. But then is it like split action with Vernon? Vernon Davis? Or are they just trying to add split action to it? I have no idea. The way the guard climbs it, it's like he thinks he's getting help. 
Yeah. Dude, so I still can't get over this because the Saints, regardless of what Davis is doing, they run the same pin and fold adjustment on the on the uh, on the front side. Technique. Yeah, and and look how Red Bryant plays this. Um, because the previous game, like yeah, he's been cheat, he's been cheating it right. We saw it in the first half. He's we're well, not yeah. cheating it, but he's been extra aware of the the threat of it. Yeah, look at Bobby get front side leverage on the fullback too. Yeah. That's impressive. So so Bobby and Bryant really make this thing work here. Right. Because so, what yeah. essentially, chat, what, what's happening here at the second level is lever, spill, lever. Um there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight nine gaps for them to account for and so seattle's playing um with a nine-man front by involving this corner so we've got force over here we've got force over here um and then there's various moving parts to this right but because they've got the extra guy for that bobby knows he can stay front side on the the fullback The 49ers must have been like kicking themselves. Like I, I don't know what they're they they just got really confused by these fronts. Yeah, and your blocking scheme being dependent on trying to like pin a head up for technique that is Red Bryant. Yeah. Is uh difficult. All right. We got a so trip this, to check. Yeah, this looks like uh Phoenix, right? So tank bus zone, so it's nickel defense. So here's our nickel. Um, here's our corner in the deep third. Here's our corner in the deep third. Here's our mic in the the weak hook. Here's our strong safety ready to come down in that strong hook on the three. Uh, then here's our post safety in the post third. Um, could be something different though, Griff. Like because the the whole point of Phoenix is it can look like cover one. So here's our man. Here's our man. Here's our man. Right. Here's our man here's our rat or spy given it's colin kaepernick here's our man here's our post third defender right oh my gosh cam i'm just coming down and killing stuff so it's not exactly um split flow because the back doesn't release fast he checks and releases but so, so Bobby's playing the or uh, Cam's playing the number two. I think it's just spot drop, right? This for for Cam, he's just he's just playing his hook, coming down on his hook, and then just well, reading, reacting. Yeah, well, he, he's re he's he's playing his three, right? Yeah, uh, like, but yes, yeah, it's, it's pure QB vision and understanding when this is tight, get on that, and then as it goes to Bobby, he can whack the check down yeah so bobby would technically have to carry three although he kind of spot drops it he kind of mm. kind of opens up to it i think, and then... I think he sees qb set up yeah yeah you're right and he knows with earl he can play it a little careful it's a really also, good drop from bobby to be honest yeah no it is agreed um so we look at cam's initial alignment in the strong hook 
that's why that's a huge reason why because they would rotate this way rotate strong that's why they didn't get daggered a lot because that strong hook is there and that dig window has depth when they stopped rotating with their their safety into the into the strong hook that was when they started getting daggered a lot more and it was bobby in the strong hook and his initial alignment would be more shallow they'd have after cam left it would be like bradley mcdougald in the weak hook and then Bobby and the strong hook, and then that dig route would, would go over the top of Bobby. And it's, it wasn't until like 2019 when Bobby finally like played it better. Yeah, played it really well in 2019 and 2020, like amazingly. Um, but yeah, just the just the angle of Cam's drop. You can see how to even get to the shallow. He's got he's coming through here, so it's forcing. Yeah. Whereas if he's coming from here, then he's trying to get under this, and there's a real sudden high-low conflict where he's able to work kind of just down all the way through to that yeah um and like you know they played they they played mike shanahan right with in washington they've played uh kubiak and they played um mcveigh in 17 before the, that first game and they threw dagger at him and they defended it well because of this principle and because of Earl Thomas is just insane. He could kind of erase both routes, the, the through route and the dig somehow from the deep middle safety because um, he was an insane person. But Or he'd be playing the weak hook. But anyway, um, it kind of makes you wonder, like, why not just be a strong rotation cover three team? I mean, they, they were kind of... With, well, it was more weak rotation, but when they kind of got a similar aspect out of it, the whole staggered hook thing. With what with second, what personnel? Well, in the second half of 2020 with Jamal, when they played a bunch of buzz, right? They uh, kind of captured that. Because they were in... Because they were so... Because um, how, oft, how often did you get Trey? Like, I, I don't know, Griff, yeah. good question. I don't know, um, but I feel like with like obviously McDougald isn't going to be Cam, but during that period, why not just just have keep Bobby as the weak hook? That's totally fine. He can handle any you know speed at three, and then just put McDougald on the strong hook. Man, I don't I don't know. Um, they didn't do it often enough though. I mean, they did it some, but it would have been the answer to a lot of problems. Uh, yeah, I guess maybe from a disguise purpose standpoint they felt they had to be able to threaten man on the three and often the three was speed of three not a tight end anymore so they Ooh, were like we could don't have enough layers but I, point. I don't know so that brings up again immediate tackle of the check down because you you have the depth you, you're in second 11 now it's third and five uh this looks like, uh, well, it depends. It looks like Phoenix again. Uh, although, actually, technically, Phoenix check, right? Because they've the, um, well, I don't know. The nickel's here, and he's in the weak hook, technically. Wow. That's, um, there's some aggressive, uh, aggressive play here. Oh, damn. <laughs> So this is playing down in distance and the sticks. So yeah, so Bobby's Bobby's initial drop is really good. Oh, it's amazing. It's, it's I don't know like what happened to that. Like you don't need athleticism to do what he just did. I don't understand why he's not doing that consistently. But yeah, 
This is kind of not so Kaepernick, right? Yeah. So let's. Uh... I'm surprised. I'm surprised. I know Cam because that these they're passing off shallows. I'm surprised Cam abandons his depth. Uh, well, it's, I think if you quickly. pause it, like they get back in. Oh, they get back away, which is difficult for Cam. I guess he's fine. I Cam's fine. He's he's handling two routes. Yeah, it's just that that dig route. If the pressure isn't there. You know, if, if Cap was of the mind that the dig route would wrap over the top of Bobby, but but, yeah, but then like... also we don't know if Bobby would melt back with it either, right? If Cap stayed in the pocket. Right, with um you know, it's almost four to a side, right? Yeah. Um it, and I, I wonder about pass rush wise. Is you surely a design flush, but they seem slightly late to that. Um, they're not really. Kaepernick's just a joke. Yeah, that's crazy. And yeah. you know, if if every third and five's like that, then you'll take that. Right. Because that's nasty. Yep. Cam's so, close on that is. Hilarious, anyway. Yeah. So this is probably going to be under, which goes in. Uh, sorry, over, which um, goes into under. So one tech. Oh no, that's a. Oh, hang on now. What is that? Is this the weird thing again? Do you remember the? Yeah, where you got a two eye with me, Bane. Oh no, I was correct. Yeah, so it's it is over. I thought that was Red Bryant for a second. I got confused. So, yeah, they're playing this guy in a G. Um, let's go back slightly. So, you can see here the the strong safety's down to the the Y. So solid rotation because it's to the tight end. Um, Here's our three tech. Here's our two I nose. Here's our big end. Here's our Sam. Um, here's our Mike. Here's our Will. Mm-hmm. So it's over, and then over with Y trade becomes under. They're happy for that to happen, uh, and again, free safety now down to the flex side. So. Flex rotation. Um, yeah, so Cam technically becomes the free safety, right? He's oh, yeah, the, sorry. Yeah, the weak yeah. side. Yeah. Um, and then the same here, but this, now the Sam is to the tight end, and solid cover three became flex cover three. Over front became under front. Here's our Sam to the curl. Here's our hook curl. Here's our hook curl. Here's our curl flat. Or... They call these buzz, which is confusing. Anyway, here's our post third. Here's our third. Here's our third. The reason they call it buzz is because it's not really like a curl flat, which would be like here. It's more like get to the top of the numbers. Um, Bo Pellini called it curl sale, right, Griff? Yeah, just pretty intuitive. Which uh, you can see Bruce Irvin here is doing exactly that. He's really checking that this fullback isn't 
run blocking, but as soon as he realizes it's a play action, he sails, and his role here is basically get to the upfield shoulder of this dude, remove the sail route. Um, well, and, and look at Bobby, too, pushing with it. Pushing with the Wow, possible. that's a great drop. Malcolm, oh, my Malcolm gosh. Smith, that's gorgeous. So Wagner gets... Um, I mean, he's already the weak hook, right? Because he's got two over here and one over here. So yeah. he's the weak hook. Um, oh, I was I was marveling at my, uh, Malcolm Smith. Yeah, 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 yeah. Malcolm yeah. too. Because um, I'm, I'm saying if if Vernon was running an out or a sale. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. So Wagner's in tune for the sail route here because that's as a strong hook defender his issue is this because even if this guy's going to sail back to the sail route he still has to be aware of that and come down at a certain point and the qb could look him there so if we can because there's no other real threat deep in this area here this or here the strong hook can get underneath the 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 sail route which wagner's so good at which you can see he's almost becoming a cover two corner in his strong hook but um Malcolm Smith's drop here is astonishing. Um, it's no wonder they try to get him on the The field. way he just visions the two as well and sees that he's up. But um, again, flow-wise, backfield-wise, he gets full flow away from him. Um, so he knows that he's really going to be opposite Hash taking this route, though, down the pipe. Um, and you can, you can see Cam not playing the... Uh final four rules and not looking to push to the strong side because it's probably game plan because they did so much X isolation. The 49ers did back then um, to try to get four receivers to one side. So cap could kind of work a comeback or a go or something isolated to Crabtree. Yeah. Or, 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 pos or possibly they just, they just didn't do that at that point. They, they probably had it in, but I don't know if they ever needed to, you know, Right. play the final four i'd have to go and watch and, and like they didn't really respect the check down as much no they days. didn't need to yeah almost um so I mean, what griff yeah. means by the final four is one two three here's our final four well if we're sailing up here we're sailing up here we're running back with this here you know he's a deep corner so he can't handle it who is going to handle we've got this here who is going to handle this dude? Uh, it would typically be with full flow away. This guy is probably going to handle that. But as Griff points out, Cam, they don't match Cam like that. They just say, Buzz, get in this one window because he's the backside one, one on one. Yeah. That's so a just... crazy drop from Malcolm Smith. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's Vernon ludicrous. Davis. Man. That's Vernon Davis. Yeah. I love the the hand contact as well to get so in face. You you remember you remember that play where you broke it down in I think twenty eighteen Brian Schottenheimer when he uh, uh Tyler Lockett they got Tyler Lockett matched up with Malcolm Smith and Russ just puts it in the bucket and Tyler catches it over the shoulder. Yeah, Malcolm Smith was step for step with Tyler Lockett. I mean step for step, and that was twenty eighteen. It was good coverage. It was just a great throw and, a, and, a, and, you know, Tyler Lockett being Tyler Lockett. Like, Malcolm's coverage on that was perfect. That was Tyler Lockett, you know. Yeah. Um, so, Malcolm might have been something if he could have gotten starter reps. Um, yeah. 
So Galen points out that this isn't actually Byron Maxwell as the right corner uh, because he got hurt on the previous play, which, again, you kind of saw him get banged around there in the head. Uh, that looks very painful. Um, so here, Furman's at right corner, so that might also be why Cam's helping. Um, but here he, he kind of gets low-key beat. But the ball is not thrown very well. Any thoughts on that, Griff? Um, excuse me, not really. Cap didn't really have the best touch, but he could rifle it. Yeah. Um, yeah, Crabtree's, Crabtree was always so good at the... the um, just being so physical at the top of the route. Mm -hmm. Okay, so second and ten. Right. So that's Phoenix again. So I wonder who the nickel is right now. Lane? Yeah, it's Lane. Yeah. So here we have strong hook, curl flat, deep third, deep third, will Mike in the weak hook, free safety. Oh my gosh. Their run game was so bad. Like, it, what? They were just rattled, man. I'm sure there were communication errors with the stadium and everything. Yeah, this looks like a complete comms error. And the whole defense was looking to kill something, so. Interesting uh, stunt going on here. Like to, to two-gap the... Yeah. Two gap Clements here almost. So third and fifteen. Well that that could be a whole a whole number of things, right? Right. Uh and the the back is the back is strong, so that's you get this kind of alignment. What would your best get best get your best guess here be? I'm gonna guess uh, it's gonna be Phoenix check with Earl Thomas coming into the weak hook and yeah. Cam spinning to the deep middle. Because if it was if it was because they did play some quarters off of this look right Panther, I think that the the nickel at the top of the screen is that Thurmond. I think he would play with a little bit more inside leverage initially. Yeah, he's more formation. inside eye there, right? Yeah, he's seen, he, I think he's tipping it that it's going to be cover three. With Wagner's take. alignment on the back, I'm wondering if it's man. Uh, but so, that doesn't seem man. Right. Let's find out. Let's find out. No, you're right. Oh, yeah, it is cover three. It's so funny how they disguise it, and it's like 
every time it's the same shit back then. The pass rush is ridiculous. Yeah, man. Yeah. Like even even like Clinton McDonald, like he won a lot. Like as the rush knows, like this guy, he got paid. He got he got a nice like uh three years, fourteen million with Tampa Bay back then. That was a nice chunk of change. Um now Bobby's strong hook drop is interesting. Like he gets really wide. And that probably is what the splits and the tendencies were telling him to do back then. Yeah, and it, I guess he's he knows he's got Earl coming here, uh, and he knows the down and distance, so he's probably worried about the deep stick and then catch and run where this is here, the rotation's away. He knows where the safety help's coming. Good point. Um, but also, where's the QB looking? Kind of looked, glanced outside, so I guess. Yeah, so Cam is technically the deep middle safety, and it really hammers home how Maxwell's on an island and you always talked about the back the weak post right yeah how that was a potential but, problem yeah I love again I love what Malcolm Smith is able to do here with his body presence um that's such a pain in the ass because this receiver's like really get out of my way um they like squeezing this no illegal yeah. contact either dude look at Chris Clemens <laughs> the hump move he lifts that guy. That's crazy. God, he was strong as hell, dude. So there are three clean wins. Clemens, McDonald, and Averill. Their best player doesn't even get a win on this in this uh, snap. And, and the, the concept is completely bottled up, too. Just killer defense. Did he complete that? Oh, my gosh. Did he? He might have done. All right, let's see it. That's the funny thing. Like, we don't even watch the you don't even watch the ball after a while. You <laughs> watch. Yeah, the 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 D line absolutely went to town. All right, but how does Cap get this ball? To, is that Anquan? Oh, uh, no, it hit the ground. Okay. <laughs> oh, remember... Wait, let's watch this. I think this is uh, a fun one. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. If he scored... Oh, my God. See, this is this is a great this is like a beastquake Griff. Yeah. This is a beastquake type of run. This is an underrated run, right? I guess because of the fourth down stuff, it gets forgotten. Yeah. But this this is insane. Well, I mean, I remember this run. It was it was a big time big time thing. I just I love the kick. <laughs> yeah. And that was him trying to break the shoestring tackle, right? Yeah. And this was duo. Uh, I think it's just zone, right? Yeah, it's zone. What a cutback, though. Yeah. So he he knows oh. he has that he knows he has that bubble to cut back to. Dude. Oh. <laughs> uh, pe pe they, people don't talk about this run enough. 
Yeah. A forty-yard touchdown. Yeah, yeah, forty yards, right? So wait, who screws up in the run fit for the forty-nine? <laughs> so they're Ugh, in tight. Look at that. They're like in. They're in tight. So thirty-one. Tight will six. Yep. So wait, 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 wait. is twenty six in the? Twenty six is the cloud. Okay. Yeah. So 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 thirty five is in the uh, is in the sea. Uh. Well, this is the thing. I I think this is the half. I think this is the cloud. I think this is the quarter. Right. Right, but, right, 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 yeah, yeah, it would have to be, yeah. But ninety four and fifty three have some tough moments here. Fifty three in particular. So are are Willis and Bowman ball fitting right now? So is 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 Willis playing C to front side A? With how Fangio does it, and then, and then yeah, like, this looks like here, here, right? And then oh, okay, here. so you think the corners in the fit then? Here, here. The corner has to be because it's a well. It's, well, it's Fangio, so we don't know that. But it's a knob set, and he is the cloud. So then Willis needs to play the front side A, but then he screws himself up going into the. Well, he kind of makes ninety one right. I'd say. Okay. I'd say Bowman has a tough moment. Okay. Yeah. No, definitely for Bowman. Yeah. And but then he's also expecting thirty one in there, and thirty one's late. You know, but even if he fits that sooner, he doesn't fall back. Fifth no. Bowman doesn't. David Bowie, man, <laughs> the tackle. What a run that is! God. Yeah. Marshall's okay, so ten all. Ten. Look at this punching at the end. Uh, so this is over. Uh, all right. So th- this is this is uh this is stone. So uh, let me get rid of that. Um, Sam, big end, nose. Although, actually, the the nose looks shaded weird. Th- this could be the bear thing again. Yeah. You know that weird thing. The three, the Leo, and then the strong safety. This could be like the the fever thing or whatever they were calling it. It it's all off where the Y is, right? We'll have to see the end zone. Oh my god! Oh my god! That's crazy <laughs> range from Earl, but they lost contain on this one though. Yeah, but. That hit is nuts. Oh yeah, so it is. Um... Yeah, it is stone. Although it's interesting how so will. The... Oh yeah, will Mike Sam? Yeah, that makes sense. And then yeah, so Cam needs to be the edge setter or the. He just gets influenced away. This is what this is. Um, this reminds me. It's not the same 
play, but do you remember uh, the Bo Pelini uh, plays where he's breaking down them yeah. at Candlestick? And he's like, yeah. he's like, <laughs> he's like moaning at um, Cam Chancellor and uh, for dropping out uh, when the, there's run action. Yeah, yeah. This is the same kind of concept, right? Right. He's not keying right, right? Yeah. So Cam is the edge setter, but he gets influenced by this bunch and tries to drop under it, um, and it skinnies down. Still, the way they pull is like really kind of for the first to secure the first level, right? Right. Like then they haven't been able to climb much. I think I think Greg Roman just cut his lunch eaten by. Yeah, I mean Malcolm Smith again. What a play that is. Yeah. But um. Yeah, and Bobby's Bobby's got to press down because that's his gap. But then when he sees the pool, he has to work here. Um. But yeah, Cam's the edge, and the edge is run off. Which there is conflict there, but also you have a deep third corner for a reason. And yeah, two is showing you two is showing you cracks. So his eyes are just like. I guess he just thought pass from that release. Good point. You see me being cross face so that Bobby can can pull with the puller. Oh yeah, that's oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's very good, isn't it? Oh my god. That hit is violent. Oh. How old is Frank Gore now? Like forty. Oh. So he he does he fumble the ball? Yes, maybe. They they play like no. So second and one. Okay, so same front. Yeah. Uh, and coverage wise, guys. So it's Stone. Um, this is the curl, uh, sail. This is the curl sail. Here's our um, weak hook curl. Here's our strong hook curl. Here's our three. Here's our post third. Uh, here's our third. Here's our third. You see, Cam doesn't make the same mistake here. Um, Malcolm Smith is geared the hell up to just destroy um, his D. Yep. They just get it. Clemens too. So this is just duo, right? Yep. Although Where do you go? Where do you go? Clemens plays this really well. Oh yeah. That that's so cool how he um reads that type of block and then fits to his leverage, right? Uh-huh. The the restricted one arm tackle. Look at Red Bryan as well understanding what type of block that is and then <laughs> what look at his feet look at the big man move his feet he know he because guys he knows from the concept that that's kind of like a gap like fold block on on the back side of the gap concept and so duo runs aren't aren't hitting up here they're 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 pressing front side and then probably hitting front side so he knows he can just get in here He's in short yardage as well. He's just making a play. Yeah. Wow. So, well done. Yeah, well done. First and ten. 
Okay, so same front again. Stone. Get play action. Look how quick Cam's out there. Oh, wow. What a drop that is. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Dude, Malcolm was really freaking good. Cam and Malcolm here is unreal. <laughs> yeah. Kaepernick's like, um, I saw we had this or this. <laughs> He's like, no. So then come backside. What do they have back? Oh, backside just gets like absolutely. Oh, and still makes the what catch. Throw. What an absolute cat throw and catch, man. Yeah, because Bobby's like, there's no freaking way. Yeah, look at Cap fit that in. That's very reminiscent of the ball placement from Gino to DK against the Cowboys on the touchdown run. Yes, yeah, good point. And, like, Maxwell plays this well, even tries to get into an undercut position. An absolute yep. bullet from Kaepernick. Yeah, Maxwell's out there battling. And is this his first play back after he got no, hurt? No, no, he's, he's been back. Yeah, this is a bullet. Gotta see the end zone angle on that on that throw. Yeah, that'll be pretty. Um, I mean, he get he gets a. This is good from good patience from Maxwell. You see how he's staying square, and then he gets a wide inside release. Eventually, uh, he even gets a hand on in this position. This is pretty good. Then at the catch point, um, this is physical play. But ultimately, he has the you know he has to pick a leverage side. Going for the undercuts, uh, bold. Um, and you could say maybe try and get your... I mean, really, it's just the perfect throw. Yeah. Because um, there's a lot of disruption here. Uh, the reason Wagner doesn't get deeper is because he's checked on this. It's not bending across. So then he's thinking, I can just kind of drop into my landmark, which he got full flow away, right? So it's like back here. Um, but he's also thinking when the QB sets up, I can set up so that I don't get too deep for the check down here. Um, so the cube sets up, he sets up, he's thinking bang, bang, and Smith is probably thinking I can, need to come down, uh, and this is just an unreal throw, like unreal. Wow. That's, yeah, yeah that's, I mean, you said, you said he could throw a dart, right? Yeah. Um... I mean, it's no wonder Harbaugh chose Kaepernick in the middle of the season over Alex Smith. Alex yeah, Smith they, is the best season put, of his career. Yeah, like just practices, the, just the the contrast. Yeah, yeah, Cap was good, man. Got screwed over. Oh, All right. Another naked? Yep, that's rough. Well, designed rollout, right? Yep. That'll happen. Bruce to just got a bit hungry. And, and you can see how it's a setup off of their that formation. They're like four strong series. That same and yeah, the same power run, the same bunch. They get the same stone front from Seattle, and Bruce just gets too hungry. Heck of a block from Cla uh, Crabtree there as well against press. Now against the 49ers, this was a touchdown. <laughs> I mean, against the Packers, it was a touchdown. Yes. Um, the the previous um the previous year in the NFC championship game. Yes, yes, yes. But Earl and Maxwell run it down. Still a huge a great call from 
Harbaugh or Roman, whoever's calling plays. Yep. All right, so same formation to the boundary again. Balls on the left hash. This is interesting. Yeah. So is is this still so this, since, is just, this is just classic Boston over zone Y. Yeah, so there's no stone. So rather than this guy being the four eye type, like the red Bryant, they've got this guy as Mike B. So why would we play him in a four eye, especially when they've just run to the wide side? Let's just put our speed on the edge here. Um, what that means is rather than the Sam being on the ball uh, down here because we've got the big end in here, the Sam walks off the ball here. He plays in the B. Uh, here's our Mike. Here's our Will. Um, here's our corner. Here's our strong safety down to the the wide tight end, as Griff said, or the wide tight end over zone Y. Um, so they just call this Boston. Um, and then you could tag like Stone that stone front we talked about, Stone Boston, together. Um, here's our corner, here's our corner, here's our post third. Five, is that five step? Seven. I think that's seven from under center. Um, Bennett wins immediately. Jesus, Bennett. Good God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that, and that's why that. you play Michael Bennett as the, the five tech rather than playing Red Bryant as the four eye. Yeah. Wow. Just, what is that? Swipe, forklift, rip? Indicators-wise, he must have just known pass, right? Right, because it's under center, right? So he's not thinking, like, what well, he's coming off the ball like this. That's, that is ludicrous. Incredibly good player, my God. And then you have you have really good zone drops underneath. Yeah, like, I mean... Flooding the coverage. I mean, back foot hasn't quite hit, but, like, uh... Ah. Uh, ah. Uh. Like you've you've accounted for everything, getting five over three, and then Bruce does a good job buzzing, but then staying leverage for the checkdown too. Yeah, because Bruce gets the fakes towards him and his bubble, so he does yeah. a pretty good job recovering. And I mean, he, he's such an impressive athlete. And like, look but at look at look at the. The, look at Maxwell's midpoint, considering the the condensed split and the route concept and what's yeah. killed them recently. Yeah. So, also real quick on Bruce, I love the way he stays on the that this leverage hip, like the the angle off this drop relating to that. Um, yeah. And so on on Maxwell, the the uh, the the midpoint leverage is almost like a it's just such a good angle, right? He's not gonna get beat. Uh, to his back, he understands that that's coming round. You can still see that, can't you, chat? Yeah. It's perfect. His best stuff is when he's got his butt to the sideline like this. He's so good at, um, even like from press, like his midpoint mm -hmm. stuff was so good. And he had to do it quite a bit, right? Because generally teams would try and put their more receivers to this side because they knew Sherman was just going to eliminate a, a guy. God, Bennett was so good, bro. Absolutely none of those verticals are an option. None of the vertical no. routes, the corner, the, the go. 
God, how is Michael Bennett real? Like he's 280 doing that. He's 280. His pads are low. He just, he doesn't even, for, he just pushes his hands off of him. It's like not even like a pass rush move. He just yeah. pushes his hands off of him and rips through. Crazy. Okay, so that was great. That brings up, that can't be second and nine. Oh, wait, what? No. That can't, really? Oh, so he fumbles it and the lineman picks it up. No way. <laughs> so that is that would have been like second and, whoa, this game was freaky. It would have been like second and uh, 16, or 16 17. Yeah. And instead, they get second and nine. Wow. Lucky. Okay, so over front again. So again, no, chat, think how many, think no, how many no, design no. snaps of, um, think how many design snaps of under we've seen in this game. There's been under, which has become under because oh, they've wait. played over, but mainly an over front team. Maddie, look, Maddie, look what the coverage is. It's Reno. <gasps> okay, this is cool. So <laughs> this is very cool. So over when Seattle got slot formation, so single whip. So here's a tight end. Here's a tight end. Where's the corner? There isn't. Uh, where's the receiver? There isn't one. Um, and then there's a slot here, right? There's a receiver. There's a receiver. So what Seattle was able to do is they were able to play cover three, um, run fit wise. Uh, so have plus one in the box, but over the slot side, they'd be able to play three over two. So how's that possible? Well, Earl Thomas is reading the number two. Richard Sherman is reading the number two. Now they're stacked, so it gets a bit different. But essentially, if, if this was a normal split, and again, Google, uh, you, uh, Twitter search Reno. Uh, Griff has some great examples of it from normal splits, and there's... Also playbook pages on Twitter. Um, but if two runs out within five yards, uh, Sherman would jump two, um, and then Earl Thomas would play over the top of the one. Um, if they both run vertical, Earl Thomas plays high and outside on the number two, and Sherman would play the one. Now, that sounds a bit like palms, right? Uh, where there's this guy who is essentially dropping into the curl. Um, but if three's to the flat and these guys are vertical, then he has to play three to the flat because um, they're both run off. But what's cool, as I said, is this guy's the post third player. So they have Earl Thomas playing high and outside on two because if this guy runs a deep over, this guy can play it. We've also got the cover three element of this guy almost as the three receiver hook. Um, the weak hook, and you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight gaps, and you have eight in the box. Right. Do you have anything else to add on that? Well, it's kind of brilliant, isn't it? Um, it's, it's, it's cover three with, like, palms built into it so that you can stay you can stay plus one in the box. Yeah. Let's look at this route distribution. So 
and it just clamps up a lot of the uh so they get they get spot snag like bad snag like um so they get this is actually a great example as well griff is it switch verts here i i don't know what happened at the bottom i'm not sure I think they get like this, but anyway, so for this guy out of the stack, both guys aren't vertical. So he essentially becomes a wall, the crosser player. So he's walling the crosser. They were reading two. They see this guy in out of the stack goes short. So Sherman basically becomes the cloud. Oh, Thomas is looking to play high and outside on the two. And then three to the flat, Sherman can help on the corner and then come back down to the, the flat route. And then on the backside, it just plays out like man-to-man, -man, right? Yeah, it, it does. It's man-to-man -man on the backside. It's weird, though, that that Bruce doesn't take three through. But I guess uh, because one... It's because it's, it's a stack. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, If you read, um, it says... Uh, let me find it. I was literally looking at this earlier today. Um, disregard three to the flat unless one and two go vertical. Okay. Own the first in-breaking route. There you go. Perfect. If it's, uh, what would you call this? Flood, split, or flow? This is uh, flood, right? Uh, well, it's three by two final distribution, so wouldn't it be split? Sure, yeah. So own the first in breaking route, and that's what he does. Um, I mean, where'd you go with this football? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> that's the crazy play. So it's well defended, right? It's it's perfect. <laughs> like Earl has perfect coverage on this all the way through. Wow. I mean, if, if this is Philip Rivers, Philip Rivers hops around and hits the shallow route. Well, the, the, um, this, the, the three yeah. or yeah. 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 Okay. And, and Sherman rallies and they make the tackle. Wow. Back to back crazy plays. That's an incredible play from Colin Kaepernick, man. Unreal. And a great play from Anquan Bolden too, to stick with that. Earl has perfect coverage. Now, you, you could say Cam is the deep post player. Yeah, I was thinking that. He does he does overplay Maxwell's... Plays like his cover too. Yeah. I mean, he's just reacting, right? Yeah. Um, wow. What a, what a lunatic. <laughs> oh, football's Earl, so Earl, cool. Earl can't believe it, man. He can't believe it. Yeah, he's like, no freaking way. And Bennett loses his balance. If he doesn't, he probably wins that oh round. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's it's like, a, it's like a batter whiffing on a fastball with Earl's hand. And you feel like you're right on it, but you're just late oh, a second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be... Um, if there's a picture of that, that would be a great... I doubt there is because they're obviously all here. But yeah. that would be such a good... Um, picture especially if they had lost you know right right but they didn't earl's being he's in disbelief man wow they got 
they got a big special team. Oh no, yeah, they got a big special teams yeah. play. Doug Baldwin. I remember that play happening. I was like, oh my god, they're alive! They're alive. This is good. I'm very much enjoying this. Okay, so they settle for a field goal. So there's 3.55 left in, in the third quarter, and they're down by four. So now now it's Stone again, but um, here's KJ Wright as the Sam. Uh, so they run weak this time. Good luck. It's a hell of a play from KJ. Well, Red, Red Bryant's been an absolute maniac. <laughs> so Mc, big. You have McDonald in it in at base. It's interesting. Yeah, like the, how the rotations work themselves out. Yeah. I mean, I guess he's the backup nose. Right. Did they stunt here? I don't think so, right? I don't know. Th- I just think he reads the he initial reads... blocks. Yeah. Th- maybe the fact that they were folding so much. The second level alignment is weird. Are they in man? I don't think so. No. I-, I think this is just how I've, you know, this is just how it works where they want to be able to jack that up because, um, like, gap, right? Like, spill yeah. it out to this. Um, kind of like what we saw. So this year, guys, we saw stuff just like this. But what would happen is this guy would be here. Uh, there'd be a big ass bubble here, which like if you're getting duo, then it's not as we've talked about. It's not going to hit up here. Unlikely, right? But then um, this guy would be like here or they'd be in too high. Um, um, and then they'd end up having to like blitz the nickel all the time, right? Yeah. And they they didn't really play a four eye ever. Similar defense again, but nub. Oh wow! Oh wow! <laughs> yep. That's insane. So, Cam, as the the basically, if you're a curl flat player in cover three, the general rule is you play the second guy through your zone. So, this dude is running off the corner. They're trying to run Cam off with this route, and he has to honor that, which he does, right? But the idea is you run this guy off, and then you throw that, uh, which they do. But Cam has just the perfect leverage and depth and cushion on this route to then have the confidence to see, you know, okay, the ball's coming out to the, the check down. I know my angle. I know my, my leverage. I'm going to stick my foot in the ground and bang this. And bang it, he does. <laughs> Just finding ways to make spectacular plays within, like, the regular fundamentals and techniques of the of what you're doing, man. Yep. 
And, and then look at Bobby playing the sale like crazy. Yeah. Which it's not a sale, but the threat of a sale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, boom. Poor Vernon Davis. Yeah. And they ruled that incomplete. That's a fumble. He recovers it anyway. Yeah, but I mean, an incompletion there is kind of significant, right? Yeah. They might have reviewed that. Also, Her textbook technique, like the head is out the way, the shoulder is on the, on the ball, the head is behind. Um, now you'll be able to see it here. <laughs> Poor Vernon In the chest. Davis. Poor Vernon Davis. Isn't there another one coming? No. No, that was the, the 2012 no, yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So that's third and 10 because they've ruled that incomplete, which is significant. So this looks like man to man. And this is when they get exotic. So we've got like an odd front. Uh, we've got this. We got this. We got this. We got this. Uh, then we got Bruce as like a off ball dude. Um, I is this like I don't know what they call this, but here's Sherman traveling. Uh, here's a man. Here's a man. Here's a man. So it's most likely gonna be spy rats. Send, 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 send. Man to man, man to man, man to man, man to man, post third. Yeah. Um. Oh, yeah, who has the back, though? Oh, yeah, so it'd probably be... Um, they could just be funneling the back. Yeah, but you'd want, you'd want Bruce Spy and Colin, right? So I imagine uh, Bobby's man on the back. Uh, but why you, why you run fronts like this is you're trying to force... Uh, big on big. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it's like, could he come? Could he come? Uh, but also, if it's big on big, uh, and this guy's the extra guy, like the extra threat off the edge, then it's kind of forcing the back in over here, right? Yeah. Oh, so Kaepernick saw that and checked the play. Yeah, it's just it's just a uh, double spy, I think. Well, yeah, funnily in the I think what yeah. Well, Wagner doesn't really care about the back, but that's because Kaepernick's flushed so aggressively. Yeah, but yeah, it's just man to man. It definitely seems like Irvin is more um, Kaepernick focused. But I don't know. Right, yeah, I think so. Look how uh, Cam jacks up uh, Vernon again. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> next, like literally the next play. And they're they're design flushing. They're they're running. Um. Oh, where's my pen gone? Oh no. Um, one second. I kind of need my pen. Okay, so they're running, uh, this, 
like late hook in here, and then this guy's looping all the way around, uh, along with Bruce as the spy, right? Mm-hmm. Which is funny, like how like you know Odd Mirror Seven and all those concepts, like it's like nothing in football is that new, right? Right. I understand this isn't cover seven, but. <laughs> You're playing man on the back end and and flushing the quarterback. Okay, you're sending four here, but Bennett is so strong, dude. Yeah. All right. So you get off the field. Now I think this is the fourth down play. Yeah, yep. here we go. Fourth and seven. Alden Smith. Come on, man. <laughs> oh, man. And I think Kerr said Baldwin wasn't supposed to be anywhere near near him. Like, he was supposed to bend it in. Yeah, which makes sense because it, it looks very scary, doesn't it? Yep. It's almost like he thought the ball was for him. I don't know. Yeah. Right, so now suddenly, <laughs> after all that, they're up by three. Wow, that's a heavy-ass front. Front it's just stone again. But 13 personnel. Taking the shot. Oh, wow. That's defense. Yeah. So Maxwell gets in a bit of a spot. But the uh, recovery to the catch point is very impressive. Also the timing of the play. Yeah. Not much more to say about that one. Good landmarks. So third and five, Griff. Third and five. They Phoenix. are in Phoenix again. So covered three buzz. They're just playing. Why is room. this root concept? You can see Earl leaning to the uh, to the field to the field slot pretty heavily. What is this root concept? It's Greg Roman, man. Well, it's kind of like a. But we've we've seen this before, where it would make it would have made more sense for this guy to be here, right? And then that, like, why is he hitching? Like he ends up running these two too. It's too too tight, right? Yeah. Maybe he's ex expecting an aggressive buzz from Thurman from the nickel to like get out of there. Yeah, and that would just be wide open. I don't know. In yeah, instead though, he reroutes it right because it's third and five. 
Yeah. Nobody wins up front. But it comes open anyway. Oh my! But Cam just absolutely destroys guys. Look at this. Oh. <laughs> it's crazy that, that they're the ones to make the make the play. Or make the tackle anyway. Right. All right. I mean nothing. Hell of a play by McDonald. That three technique. So essentially a lot of the time this plays out like turn back fast flow, right? Yeah. And here Smith shoots his gap and does turn back the fullback. Um, but yeah, as you said, oh, this is um, that like fever front, right? Yeah. Another massive hit from Cam. <laughs> yeah, good God. Just plant some, dude. He ha yeah. That's every. That's the thing with these games. Uh, some of these players, every play or like every other play they're in is a career highlight for some players. Like it's um. Right. It's pretty nuts. Oh, Bobby! Oh my God. Look at Bobby. That's insane for Bobby, dude. <laughs> wow. From the strong hook, melting all the way underneath like a high cross, basically. Now, what the hell is this concept, though? It's almost like a design, right? Yeah, what the hell? Is it supposed to be a, a screen to the running back? I don't think he can get out in time. Yeah, the... They run the routes really weird. That's not the first time we've seen them run with a, like a lack of intensity downfield. Yeah. We saw that in the first half as well. But yeah. Either way, even though it's like a fake route, it's still really impressive from Bobby. Yeah. Um, all right. Man coverage. Man, man coverage, cover one. Someone folks started. Third and six. Cover one or yep. man look one. again. Cover one, one robber. robber. Earl Earl Thomas is at his most dangerous when he's playing a robber a robber. Um either a robber hook or a robber hole in cover one. Oh, yeah, this is one of the most activated. Famous. Yeah. This is one of the most iconic Bennett Averill tandem rushes when they're on the same side. Yep. Malcolm in coverage with Vernon Davis, dude. Yeah, from press as well, like uh, and faking as though he's blitzing. That recovery at the top of the route is really impressive. Yeah, that's insane. It's so fast. Like, he's fluid. Through. It's like he's yeah. running around. I mean, he ran a 4-4. Four, four. 
People forget. <laughs> it's crazy how close it got, you know? Yeah. I mean, these were the two best teams in the league. So, like, on the flip side of it, it was the, the 49ers defense giving it to the Seahawks offense for most of it, right? Yeah. I mean, not scoring here is uh, no bueno, right? Yeah. Fourth and one. They don't get it. Oh, I remember this play. I remember the dread. I thought they were going to scoop it up and run it back. Yeah. Oh, my God. And, uh, I mean, does this does this play into a certain other thing that we won't talk about? Oh, but... yeah. Sure. Well, it was a whole year later, right? I don't know. What, yeah. what, what ends up happening? Who ends up recovering it? The, the 49ers fall on it and then, oh, okay. Hero, Based play from one. Hero play from Michael Robinson, but still a turnover. Yeah. All right. Phoenix check. No, Phoenix, sorry. Yeah, just Phoenix. So chat oh, Phoenix gonna... is when Cam is down and the Phoenix check is when Earl is down to the weak yeah. hook. All right, so they get an interesting run concept here. Bennett causes problems. Miss tackle. Trying to go underneath it, just a tough, tough yeah. play. Bennett it's a tough run gets... concept. It's to the short side as well. Great tackle from Earl. History the flies. And Cam again getting involved. <laughs> so good at those late hits. Yeah. All right, Stone again. Oh, well, basically Boston now, right? Yeah. From uh, the stack into Boston, Mike Bennett is the five tech. Here's Cam. No, it's Red Bryant. Oh, it is Red. Okay, my bad. He, I thought he looked a bit big. There you go. Oh, wow, what a drop. Oh! <laughs> it's just Cam. It's just Cam buzzing, right? Like buzzing to the same, to the right spot every time. Yep, and then they you threw the ball. You do that consistently, something good will happen. Oh, wow. You have Maxwell midpointing. So, yeah. It goes to show, like, that's how you play. That's how you play one and two from a short, condensed look. Yep. Um, with the corner. Tariq Woolen and then 30 for the, the Bills this past week. Same thing, like Maxwell and, and Cam doing it the right way. So here he's just seeing the key-wise, he's seeing the, 
that he sees the release of the tight end and then checks on that hi hat, right? Good point. Yeah. And Kaepernick doesn't think he can get under that. Oh, he's actually looking here, and then he thinks, I've got this. I wish we could see Cam's eyes here, or like his head. He's so quick to key that. Right. He thinks he can just put it above and through his hands like he did to Earl, but it just wasn't the move. Offense do something. They can't block the front. No. Yeah, their front was crazy good, right? <laughs> okay, so they settle for three. So it's 23-17. And after the return... The 49ers have the ball at the 22nd yard line with 3.32 left in the game. Here we go. <laughs> they really run a toss to the a toss to the field, okay. This is such an interesting front. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is stone, right? But it's just like with the heavied up. Well, that that's why it's so similar to Bear because, yeah. I mean, you've even got Clemens standing up. But I think Clemens is standing up because he wants to be able to cross face better. Yeah. Because he's, he's just cheating. He's anticipating, the, yeah. The, yeah. It's so funny how I mean the this 49ers offense is fairly predictable in, in terms of like what they do off of each formation like they kind of layer in their series but wow this they're is not very diverse This is such an interesting um how they handle this is interesting in the hooks Yeah They they must have had a bunch alert that how they are going to handle that Right Like Smith basically takes the first in right Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, so that's it's, Wagner. It's split flow, right? But they don't trigger the take back rules, so so Bobby has to take three back. Or Well you because you because you Griff's thinking if 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 it was take back then that, right? Yeah. Well I guess with uh It's almost like they play this as the first in and then this is the melt across or they must have just known what bunch stuff they were getting as well. I or is it just off QB as well? Yeah. Like he sets Could up, right? Could be. They must not have thought about um, final three in, in this formation maybe. Yeah. When you see teams like come up with like a beta like this for it, it's interesting that more teams weren't able to do it more often, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
to third and two. Oh my god. Alligator arms, I remember that one. This is just Phoenix again. Mm-hmm. So you see Sherm. I mean, Sherman's, Sherman's reacting to Kaepernick, but we see Sherm communicate middle-middle with his number one going under, and then he's, he uh, plays his smash rule. He, he falls deep for the uh, the corner route. Yeah, but he, he knows what they're doing, doesn't he? Yeah. Cam pretty much making Thurman's play for him. Yep. Ah, so here we get Phoenix to two by two. See, do we see a C match from Cam on this one? Yeah. Oh, no. That's inter that's interesting. Yeah, that is they, very interesting. They must have known I think he's kind of late to it, right? Yeah, maybe. Just QB posture. He's just thinking it's the drop just is not saying four verts. Like it's one and a hitch, yeah, right? Absolutely. So remember in the Gus Bradley book it says clear three step drop. So this is three step from shotgun is or a quick game from shotgun. It's not gonna be three steps, it's gonna be one step. So he he doesn't drop past one step, right? It's one yep. step in the shuffle, so he's thinking it's quick game. Yep. And so he's almost able to get in here. There's obviously this as well. And it's it's basically snag, like a snag variant up top. So oh. early so fast. What the hell? <laughs> completely different player, man. Utterly different. Completely different. Oh, wow. So it's funny how Cam kind of becomes the buzz player. Yeah, they almost it's almost a hook exchange. <laughs> but it's just, you know, reacting to the scramble rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and really it should be, you know. Unfortunate. So Kaepernick making plays. That's a crazy throw right there, honestly. Yep. Imagine Kaepernick with uh, Andy Reid. Oh. I'm not impressed with Jim Harbaugh, his offense, man. I mean, I guess what, it was in this game? Thing. Just in general. Oh, right. Whatever. In this game, they've had one good play call, I think. The rest has yeah. just been Kaepernick being an unreal playmaker so this is quarterback draw yeah and phoenix this is so th again phoenix check so here's our weak safety coming in the weak hook oh here's the cam in the the, the um but they've checked lurk right they've got um is that averil's a spy no yeah which like damned if you do damned if you don't yeah I mean, that's a lot of uh, running around to get two, three yards. Second and six, four yards. 
So they they've really started on this drive, knowing they're getting pass. They're just lurking with this dude as a spy. So just rush him three, basically. Mm-hmm. And then again, this is Phoenix check. Same concept they got earlier because they're not rotating uh, strong. Cam's not smacking into that. Sherm wants an interception so bad right here. Yeah, he, he's he's leaning. Tips and overthrows, he's probably thinking. Mm-hmm. Both teams have Super Bowl on their mind right now. Ooh. That's a heck of a throw. Um, he gets caught inside just too much, right? Just a smidge. Look at how Bobby doesn't relate to the final three. I mean, he's reading the quarterback. So I think I think they thought they could read cap like a drum, like right. This Which game. I mean, it's probably wise. He's kind of worked, right? Right. So so cap still trusts his arm after the interception to Cam. He still thinks he can get this over him. Yeah, and this is this is Phoenix again. Wow. Yeah, that's ballsy of ballsy. But you know, Cap's trying to win the game, so he's trying to win the game against one of the best defenses oh. of all time. Oh. Oh. Not yet, not yet. Nearly. So just sitting down in the empty space. Yeah. So I guess we should probably talk about um, the corner technique. But there will be other opportunities, but we haven't really spoke about it much. We spoke about midpoint, but essentially when you're corner and you get one receiver, or it could be a receiver and a tight end, um, but that split would be a bit tight. But you can play it like man man on deep. Uh, so you're reading the threat into your zone if Basically, if the one you're lined up on is uh, vertical into your zone, so like six yards or more, but basically if you're impressed, if his release is vertical, then you play man-to-man on him. So that may seem obvious, but then your technique's going to be more man-like, so you're going to press the crap out of him. If he outside releases, you're going to man-turn with him. Like you're not going to, if it was zone, if you're playing press, you'd bail and get your butt to the sideline and play zone principles um, and so you'd be conscious of two up the seam as well. Um, so, like, down the line, Shanahan got really good at be- like breaking this because what he'd do is he'd put a tight end here, put a tight end here, have a receiver out here, know they're going to play man on deep like this, which has a lot of positives to it, and then he'd run, like, this guy vertical and outside release and then some crazy, like, double seam routes or wheel routes from the tight end in the slot behind the deep third corner who played like sucked up um which is something i think he's actually spoke about i think sherman spoke about it with uh i think it was uh kevin clark on his podcast or maybe robert mays anyway We'll talk about the corner 
techniques another time. But here Sherman has multiple receivers, so he's thinking pure zone. He's thinking zebra third, um, and he is responsible for midpointing the one and the two. Uh, now, two really his read is more like two to one because two's up your seam. You kind of you're starting on the one. You kind of need to feel the one, but lean towards the two. If the QB is looking outside of you, then on your divider, you will lean 60-40 more to the one again. If the QB is looking away from you, then you can lean even more to this two, 60-40 um, more to the two. But your midpoint is in between these two, then you lean this way or that way based off where the QB is looking. QB is looking away, so you'll see Sherm really just ends up on the two. Um, meanwhile, free safety, or strong safety in this case, he knows okay, I've got my weak hook, I've got my weak hook coming in here, he's handling this seam, or bender, so I can lean 60-40 to the two on this seam, obviously then we read the QB still, and then I'm still the mid-post-third player, so if this guy, uh, if this guy goes under, then I can play more in the post, for instance, off three to the flat, uh, that's a design beta, right? Yeah, it's just taking advantage of depth the space everything. that's yielded. Yeah. Oh, and then here we go. No spoilers, Maddie. <laughs> what we've all been waiting for. So now we've got pretty pretty intense disguise of who's coming down, right? But I think you can tell that there's a hole here. So Phoenix check, three up is three, it is is L Thomas. Uh, then we've got the, the post third cam here, but he can lean to the two. Now, what we said, if we've got one receiver, we can play it like man principles. So Sherm is probably going to play, basically press man on the outside on the one. Griff, you got anything to add here? No, it's just this Phoenix check again. I think they know what they're about to run. They're defending the end zone here. Um, above all else. Oh, so they get a reroute from their edge. It's not a drop eight. They get a reroute from Clemens. It's interesting. Now, that makes sense. Um, in the event that was an over route, but it's not. It's a stick route. So, yeah, <laughs> I think I think they were going to throw the boundary the boundary fade the whole time. Yeah, I mean, like for from a from a forty nine perspective, like it's easy to like. Um... I know for a time, Kaepernick almost became a meme, right? Even before um, <laughs> all that other stuff, right? Um, before he became blacklisted from the league. Um, but uh, that's besides the point. Um, but even before that, I think he became, like, his struggles, yeah, he kind of, everyone loves to punch someone when they're down, right? But here, I mean, like, where are you going with this football? I mean, okay, throwing a Richard Sherman, that's maybe you can question that uh, michael crabtree never scored a touchdown on the seahawks never caught a touchdown against the seahawks but that's rerouted to heck we have layers here and this guy's already been thrown over the head and it's probably alert to that we have a safety leaning over here we have really strong hook presence here the one-on-one -on -one is here right like the safety's coming down to play this like the the one-on-one -on -one is there so <laughs> What do you want him to do? Now, going for it all when, I mean, clockwise, what have we got? 
First and 10, ball on the 18, 40 seconds left. How many timeouts? Two timeouts left. Maybe it was a bit soon, but like you have to get it at some point. Mm-hmm. And you just had a nice play. And again, we spoke. I spoke about how Sherman he he does that thing that you. It's not necessarily taught where he steps as though he's locked his hip because he stepped forwards with the read step, mm-hmm. but he's able to then push off the other foot and unlock the hips and get into the window. So it almost resets the line of scrimmage. Yeah. It's kind of like a it's like a quick jam without the quick jam element. Um like without the hand, you know? Mm-hmm. And truly, he dominates the route, and then there's there's no room for it, and uh, he I mean, knows they're probably going to want to throw the back shoulder. I mean, he, he he's the best cover three corner like ever, isn't he? His ability to locate the football from that from from here, the ability to uh, have the confidence to look round this early because he understand he's completely dominated this early part of the route. Yeah. Um. And yeah, his ability to play the ball in these positions. And, and Averill, Averill affecting it too. Because that's quite scary because he's in your blind spot, right? And you can feel him. And hopefully we get the angle where you can see how he's subtly feeling him with his, his near hand. Yeah. But yeah. And they were using Bruce Irvin as a spy and trying to flush, I think, Kaepernick. Aval with the pit. Yeah, we won't we won't see the arm work. Now you want to talk about Malcolm Smith, Griff? Malcolm? I yeah. was gonna say, well, yeah, yeah. I mean he's just he's just buzzing out. Well, he's buzzing out aggressively, but he's reading the quarterback right. So he's like, I better just turn and run. See what Tips happens. and overthrows. Tips and overthrows. But Averill affecting the throw is huge, too. Yeah, it would have been interesting. Do you think it falls incomplete if Averill doesn't get the hit? Cap can probably step into it more. And it probably just the ball goes deeper. But I think Sherman is all over it, all the way yeah. to the end zone, all the way to the to the boundary. But it doesn't matter. Yeah. Dude, look, look at Sherm get up and walk away. <laughs> There's so many cool things. I love how yeah. uh, when Smith did that, I was like, get down. And, and then old Thomas is like, get down. <laughs> then Crabtree realizes it's over. <laughs> Oh, man. We, yeah, we, I don't think we're going to get the, the, the butt tap. That's a crazy play, max extension. I mean, that is a heck of a play from Sherman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So, that... 
the one thing with the the Malcolm Smith play is um uh they they have different terms for their their like curl flap defender right so they call it buzz technique but they have like reroute buzz where this guy will play on the inside eye of the two uh, particularly a detached two like we've got here a guy in the slot uh, he'll play um five yards off uh, and then punch and widen on the two up the seam and then get wide they'll have just like the straight up like get out so as we've seen like getting under the one almost top of the numbers if the ball's in the middle like think where the numbers are think where one would align uh if the ball's in the middle uh, and then they have like the backside stuff right where again you could just do top of the numbers or here it'd be outside the numbers because the ball's on this hash um or they have like a Leroy drop, right, Griff? Where they're kind of a lazy curl flat playing on the back. Um, and he, we, we worked out, or you worked out last time we talked about this, that it could be named after Leroy Hill. I think so, because he would have found himself in the will, right? Right. And will and... old, yeah. <laughs> slow. Uh, Jeremy says, I remember hearing people say Vernon Davis was an option on this play and open, true or myth. Well, Jer let's watch Jeremy. I mean, he, so Jeremy might be talking about a different play. He may not be live with us right now. Uh, he, he, yeah, I think it is this play, Griff. We've been on it okay. for a while. Yeah. Well, it's, it's more of a pick a side thing. If you're, if you're throwing to the, the stick side, then He's targetable, but he's not going anywhere with and, this. And the, the key, Jeremy, is Bobby Wagner is relating to this route. So watch the first few steps, right? Um, Wagner relates to the route, relates to the route. Then his eyes come back to the QB and see the quarterback looking away. If Kaepernick had been looking over here, he would be here jumping the route pattern, right? Because Kaepernick looks away, Wagner holds his zone here. He doesn't need to get out here yet. So, no, it's it's not true. It's a myth because you see how he nestles up with the QB looking over here. Um, just like how Malcolm Smith here, he knows he has this route, but he knows the QB's dialing up here. So rather than staying in his zone here, he runs back this way. Yeah. So saying Davis is wide open is more, it's just like, it's not understanding that, as Griff said, it's picking a side. But then it's not understanding zone coverage and that if Kaepernick's looking this way, Wagner's here and this guy's here. Like, that's not how zone coverage works either. So it's nonsense. Yeah. And and, it's, and it is an example of how, like, Kaepernick became like a fun, it became like a fun meme. And I get it because, haha, that we, you know, it's funny that Seahawks beat the Fortnite was brilliant, wasn't it? But uh, yeah, it's just inaccurate. But like, it's the type of thing that on a broadcast you can go, Oh my god, he's wide open, and you can just crop crop this bit, uh, and it's it's blatant. Yeah. Right. So there you have it. That was so a lot of fun. Super Bowl. That, that was awesome. That was. Yeah, and and Griff, I have great news. What? So you got the Super Bowl. I got the Super Bowl, and I got the Saints game. Uh, thanks so much to, um, Abre Los. Oyos, Ojos. Ojos. I don't know Thank what that you, means. Sir. Los Ojos. Is that Ojos? Is that Howls? I don't know. I, yeah, I hope, I hope it's something okay. Uh, anyway, 
Thank you so much, though, because I've got the Saints game now and I've got the Super Bowl. The Saints game is awesome stuff. Yeah. Because Sean Payton gets stuff going against yeah, they, them. They actually, like, they've been beat, beating the crap out of, and Payton came back with some good shit. So. Yeah. Right. Please, All right. Hey, please do like the video. Um, Ricardo, good to see you here. Uh, Brendan, I'll, we'll answer that Patrick Graham um, question uh, next time. I don't know if we said he wasn't under serious consideration, though. I think I might have said that. Well, well, we'll talk about that next time. Yeah, like the video, comment uh, down below what content you want to see from us. We're going to have to have a Geno Smith uh, kind of deep dive, I think. Uh, there's obviously going to be so much content when the head coach gets announced and the staff because we'll, like, get our teeth into that. The senior bowl's coming up, so we'll talk about that. Uh, we might be able to learn some lessons from the playoffs. Uh, and, and then, you know, free agency, draft, all of that cool stuff. So there's a lot of stuff. But we will continue, I think, I've really enjoyed looking back at this. And after we got over the heavy stuff, especially the first half, you know, they didn't run many defenses, but like they did it very well uh, with beautiful understanding, simplicity, speed. Uh, and then certain players uh, were very, 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 very good. Uh, and Cam Chancellor kind of made it all work. Like he did a bit of everything. Right. Thank you, everyone. Uh, until next time. Griff, give us some parting wisdom. Um, I don't know. <laughs>